2: this is TalkSport daily
3: hello happy monday and welcome to another andy goldstein's TalkSport daily podcast with me yes he with oh my goodness my hair is so long now i look a little bit like chewbacca it's ridiculous anyway it could be a lot worse i could look like jump of the hut but thankfully, I've not been eating as much as Jason Cundy, so uh, if anyone's going to look like, jab of the Hat, it's... Anyway, let's start this podcast with the former communications director of the FA, Adrian Bevington, with Mark Saggers, Danny Mills and Ray Houghton. They were talking about salary caps in English football.
0: Those clubs that do go down do have a, a potentially massive in, uh, advantage on those that they're playing against. But then it's there because when you get everyone talks about the fantastic revenues you get by being promoted to the premier league but if you then don't invest and people talk about 120 million pounds or whatever the exact figure is that you um you know have to spend on players well that's transfer fees and that's wages which up until this point you know hasn't doesn't, doesn't guarantee you're going to be able to compete massively well i still think there's a lot there's a lot to, to do on the whole piece with ffp but i just think the landscape will change dramatically mark once we through this period because it has to
3: time now to hear from katie Price's ex-husband simon jordan he was alongside danny kelly in the final word it's probably simon moaning about agents oh agents you. Mm, that sounds like danny kelly can i, can I do a simon jordan oh uh, let me tell you no i can't let's hear from the real people
0: shall we Here's the crux of it. You've currently got, every three years, add them together, you've got £8.1 billion being played to the Premier League clubs and you've got £400 million being paid to the Football League clubs. And the disparity between the two is vast. And this is what's causing the challenge in the, in the, in the Championship alongside a refusal to put salary caps in. And this is what's causing the, the recession and the, and the challenges in League 1 and League 2. But if you re- rejig it and say, right, OK, en masse... The Premier League retains its individual status as is an island in its own right. The Football League is an island in its own right. But en masse, football in this country brings in 8.4 billion. It gives 70% to the Premier League, which is 7 billion. So so the Premier League looks like it's taking a billion pound pay cut because sure. ultimately it started with 8.1. But it's not going to under this regime because it, gives, it takes 80% to the Premier League, gives 20% to the Football League. On top of that, it takes away the four hundred million pounds every three years it pays in solidarity to the Football League. It takes away the four hundred and fifty million, the hundred and fifty million every year it pays in parachute payments to the Premier League clubs that get relegated. So it takes back yep. eight hundred and fifty million from it. So it leaves itself at an almost neutral position. Maybe a hundred million pounds over three years, a couple of million quid every club out of pocket over three years. But what it does then is it recapitalises the football league. The football league takes that 1.5 billion and it goes right we do the, we do this we do this equation. We give 75% to the championship, we give 15% to League 1, we give 10% to League 2. You move the foot you move the championship up from 7 million pounds a year TV broadcasting to 15 million. You bridge the gap so the pain becomes less, the manageability. You're whacking a salary cap so that people can have decent spend in that division but now have proper revenues. You double the money in League 1, so the same thing applies there. You double the money in League 2 and you've brought about a proposal that is redistributing money with no cost implication to the Premier League but gives the football pyramid an opportunity to survive.
3: Now, Jim White, Bob Mills and Martin Keogh are joined by a huge guest, and the legendary Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger. How about that? Friday, of course, marked the anniversary of Arsenal's final game at Highbury, and Arsene Wenger had some fond memories of managing there. Oh, that's a surprise, isn't it? Because he was there for a manager for so
4: long. He's got fond memories, has he? Yes,
5: yeah, a good point, that seems a bit of a tedious link. You know, sometimes I, I, when I was in the area there, I just through to, to go home. I had to go through Highbury you know, because it's a, it's, it's a special place. And uh, I believe that everybody who has been there inside uh, w- would uh, share that. You know, even the dressing room, you could open the windows. I remember Ian Wright mm. <laughs> fighting with the supporters outside. You know, today, there's no windows in any dressing room. You, the, the link was there. It was a special, special atmosphere.
3: And Arsene Wenger also gave his thoughts on Liverpool and the job Jurgen Klopp has done.
5: He has done extremely well because they wait for 30 years for this title, you know, and uh, when you think uh, that uh, they have such a massive difference uh, with the second team, uh, with Man City as well, 25 points, it's absolutely massive. So they, uh, no matter what England will decide, Liverpool is champion in everybody's, in everybody's head, I think. And staying with
3: Arsenal, here's the Romford Pele Ray Parler, or the Ginger Ninja, as I like to call him, on breakfast, and how he influenced Arsene Wenger to sign Igor Stefanos by winding Martin Keown up.
6: Martin Keown, he never got to centre-half on trial. Uh, And I think me and Dennis were just, like, a little ribbon going, oh, this guy at the back's unbelievable. We've got to sign him. And and Martin was along the bench with us, and in the end he bit and said, he ain't that good, he's missed that tackle, he should have been pushing up there, and he's dropped off. And I think Arsene Wenger must have been listening to to people like Dennis Bergkamp saying, trying to run Martin up, but he didn't realise, and he bought him for, for, yeah, I think it was about £100,000 in the end. But, you know, four-year contract, couldn't believe his luck. got (laughs)
3: Now, I've got an email here. It says, uh, Dear Andy, loving the podcast so far. In fact, one of the main reasons I'm liking it is because there's no Max Rushton in it. Long may that continue. Yeah, here, here. Right, who's up next? Uh, Max Rushton and Barry Denning. And a bit of a nostalgic game of Coal House. Of course, the game that no one really understands what's going on. Until now, when I tell you there are no rules, they make it up as they go along. Oh, spoiler alert. No one cares.
7: Eddie McGoldrick
0: Ian Marshall Ricky Holden Alan Cork Andy Myers Alan Tate
7: Greg Downs Jed Brannan.
0: David Rennie. Didier Six. <laughs> oh, Peggy Arfaxad. Kevin Drinkle. Haller. Neil Pointon, Mark Azelwood, Curtis Fleming, John Bumstead, Ian Culverhouse. Oh, well, well done!
7: There we are. Absolute classic game from April to the 26th, 2015.
3: Now this is Stuart Pearce picking the best keeper he played with on Saturday sessions with Jerry Groves and Samuel L. Matterface.
4: They've seen by far the best goalkeeper in the world, not just England. Incredible. R- very relaxed in his presence. Two different goalkeepers as well. Schiltz was a lot more vocal than Dave. Dave had a ca- calm air about him. Schiltz was very, I want a clean sheet today and I'm going to get it at any cost, even if I've got to ruffle a few feathers, you know. If I was to pick one and pressed for one, I think it would be Schiltz. I think his training ethic, you know, there was stories about him at Forest and Derby. He would get through three training kits in one session, you know, <laughs> if it was raining and muddy. He'd have to take it off because he'd been throwing himself around. Incredible work ethic. And his his mentality to want to keep a clean sheet was incredible. You could be 5 nil up in a game if the opposition got anywhere near our goal. He was, it was all about him keeping a clean sheet, which some might say it's a little bit selfish, but... I really sort of admired him for that mentality, you know. And, look, it's important that we win 5-0, but it's important we keep a nil.
3: Now, on Friday, the end of the week is when Hawksby and Jacobs air their magnificently successful Clips of the Week. And because, of course, we've got too much stuff to put into a podcast during the week... No, you haven't. There's no football on. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we've decided to put the Clips of the Week in here.
4: Uh, this is Stuart Pearce now being rudely interrupted. If you go back to sort of the early days when Gary broke into the, the squad, he was always above these years, I think, you know. And you join
7: us here in the studio for the results of the coronavirus stay-at-home championship. He didn't, he didn't overly
4: shout his mouth results, off a great deal. He was, you, uh, he was always a confident Manchester
3: performer.
4: <laughs> that says a lot about Stuart, the
7: uncompromising player he was, because when faced with an advert that's been fired off too early, he just shouts over it. He's not having it, is <laughs> he? didn't did he? back down. He did not back <laughs> down. No, that's right. And here's Georgie Bingham and Tony Cascarino on Weekend Breakfast. Um, thank you for telling us about it, and sorry that we're both not very Irish.
6: <laughs> Carl Fogerty, uh,
7: oh, nearly said it wrong there. <laughs> Fogerty, yeah. blimey! What about that <laughs> Carl? Fogarty. Could have been worse. Carl Feckerty might have got away with in Ireland <laughs> if he was playing over there, I suppose. <laughs> it's very true, yeah. And here's an equally good recovery from breakfast show guests, Rod Stewart. Oh, that oh, oh. was, was, was just, unbelievable. Listen, I was I going to down, ask you, Rod. Just, Ali, listen, just bit, listen, I went down yeah. at half time to have a drink and the poor part boy was on a stretcher. <laughs> poor part <bark> boy. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. done. Well yeah. done, Rod. Exactly. Uh, Andy, why don't you do this one for us? Okay, it's the Fisherman's Blues now and host Nigel Botherway recalling an overseas fishing trip. Well, we were sharing a camp with four Danish anglers, Johnny Jensen, Fleming Jensen, Morton Jensen and Machine Gun. Jensen? I mean, it must be Jensen. Machine Gun Klaus. Oh, Machine Gun Klaus, of course, <laughs> but uh, possibly Andy. Machine, machine Gun Klaus Jensen. It could be. could it, it could have been Klaus Jensen. That's right, yeah. So what's next? It's brilliant. It's Lester Ziozi Perez explaining how lockdown has brought back
5: memories. Um, uh, it brings me so many memories when I was very young, where, where I used to spend so many hours... A home plane, playing playing uh, with myself.
7: Well, there we are, Ozzy. It, it, it happens. And <laughs> <laughs> bought those boxing gloves, of course.
3: <laughs> so, um, here's, <laughs> here's the Talk Sport Caller of the Week to the sports bar. Uh, let's go to Ronnie's up next. Hello, Ronnie. Hello,
5: mate. I'm oh, sorry, just caught me in the toilet.
7: <clears throat> Talk Sport Caller of the Week. <laughs> Lovely tinkly effect there, yeah, wasn't it? That's it was yeah, realized nice. he's on national radio. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Now we can hear from big Tony Cascarino on the Weekend Breakfast Show with Georgie Bingham, picking his top five, dedicated to Jack Charlton, who was 85 on Friday.
6: Jack never spent any money on international duty. And one particular day, Georgie, me and Andy Townsend going to town because on the tuesday before we played on the wednesday we were allowed to go to grafton street in dublin and jack said to us get me a cap get a cap in town so okay jack we'll get you a cap so we went into town on the way down and andy says to me um get you get the receipt and i'll give him the the cap when we get back to the hotel (laughs) we're presenting in front of the lads so we're getting this cap cost us about six pound 99. right uh well as it was in them days and uh, we buy him it and we think, yeah, we've got him now. We get him in front of the lads. He's last to come in for the lunch or oh, the dinner in the evening. He walks in, we present him with the, the hat. Lovely, lovely sticks on his hat and he's wobbling all around. He's, yeah, lovely, that'll do me for tomorrow and all the, like this. And suddenly I go, Jack, um 6.99, the receipt. And he just stares at me and he goes, Are you two? He said, You were nobody's when I first selected you for the squad. <laughs> you were at Norwich, you were at Millwall. He said, Now he said, I've made you millionaires. You two were nobody's do you realise and you won six pound ninety nine from me? You're absolutely absolute joke. And he just wanted a full rant and me and Andy are literally we can't believe what he's saying because we thought we were going to get him ridiculed in front of the lads and it back, basically backfired on us. He, he was stingy to a level we were was never going to buy a drink. Everything he ever did was always... Jack wouldn't get his hand in his pocket. He'd nick cigarettes off people. He would, oh, Jack, that was Jack. And we, 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 we all loved it. You know, we'd go, we'd go to Leopardstown and we'd say to him, Jack, can we, have a, can we have a drink on the way back? And he'd say, no, 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 no. And then he'd get on the front of the bus and say, OK, look, we'll have a drink. We'll stop off to a pub. He said, but only on one condition. And we'd go, what's that, Jack? I don't buy a drink, was his answer. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Sounds so that, like many people that I've met. Too. Yeah,
6: I know. So a very, very funny man to be around. And uh, number one um, is the one that always stands out to me because it's just obviously an Italian-Irish background uh, that I had, born in England, um, New York um, in 94 in the Giant stadium, And we're going to the game and all the players on the bus are talking about who will have the biggest uh, contingent of fans. Uh, I was saying, look, New York, a lot of Italians and blah, blah, blah. There'll be a split crowd, 50-50. And all the boys, ah, there'll be boys from Mayo, Danny Gould, everywhere. There's a huge Irish community from Boston. So it was all quite split about who would have the biggest support in the stadium. Mm -hmm. So we get to the game, we're walking around Georgie, and it's literally Irish flags everywhere. Just from Donegal to, you know, to Mayo to Dublin, all these flags and everywhere. And I'm standing there talking to Andy Townsend, chatting away and saying, I can't believe how big our support is today. And I get a tap on my shoulder, look around, Big Jack says to me, do you realise you're the only freaking Italian in the stadium? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) that always, that that looking around at him and laughing, because he always had a sense of humour to him.
3: Here's Johnny Nelson, the former Cruiserweight champion of the world, talking dream matchups. With Gareth A. Davis and Catman. That would be a great matchup. I imagine that Catman would come out windmilling, then Gareth A. Davis would just start karate kicking him. Um I would probably take Gareth A on points. Or a knockout. Yeah, knockout. So Oh, that's not what you meant when you wrote that link. Oh, okay.
2: I've got some little dream matchups for you now. We do this with our stars on the show every week, right? On, Fifteen. Title defensives, right? Some of the other great cruiserweights in their prime, and you in your prime. I'm going to start from Tony Bellew against. Uh, people are going to love this. Tony Bellew against Johnny Nelson at cruiserweight. What happens? Nelson wins by uh, stoppage. I like it. I like it. He didn't even hesitate. Um, I love it, man. That's my question. Right. I
0: right. To it. I'm not right.
2: Johnny Nelson peak against David Hay peak. Johnny
5: Nelson wins by stoppage.
0: I love
2: it. Uh, All right. All right. Alexander Usyk versus Johnny Nelson. Peak.
5: Johnny Nelson wins on points.
2: And finally, (laughs) and finally, because Johnny Nelson is now up to 48-12-2 because he's beaten those three uh, in his record. Finally, in Vegas versus Evander Holyfield. Damn you. Damn you. I knew you'd say that.
5: (laughs) Damn you. (laughs) showing <laughs> Nelson loses on uh, uh, on scrappy points loss. oh come on! I knew he'd go there. <laughs> now on last
3: night's My Sporting Life, Mick McCarthy was in conversation with Mark Saggers in a fascinating and revealing 60 minutes, delving into club and country. The former Republic of Ireland manager talked about the 2002 World Cup campaign, a tournament that began with Roy Keane walking out of the squad following a bust-up. With Mick McCarthy,
1: it was a difficult time because of everything else that was going on. Uh, I remember, you know, the first game against Cameroon went out. I, I can't, I can honestly say, seldom have I felt as lonely as I did that day, walking out onto the pitch, and our fans are behind the goal, and I wasn't quite sure. There's, there's mixed messages coming to me whether the, whether the, you know, did I do right? Did I do wrong? What it was. I, my own views, and I still have. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm not going over there to get either, you yeah, know, abuse. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be prepared for, for either. So I left the lads to go over there. I sat in the dugout. Let them all get on with it. Didn't think it was appropriate actually, because then also it became about me, and I didn't want that. So we won one nil down, and then Matty Holland equalises. And we played well in that game against Cameroon, against a really good Cameroon side as well. And. uh You could see then afterwards, you know, with the it was about the football. Mm. It was how it was how we were gonna play and whether it was about you know, it didn't matter who the personalities were, it was the team and about the winning and that's what I wanted it to be and that's how it turned out to be. Although there was there was always that the background, believe me. But it then became the football and we we played well.
3: Well, that's it for another I think Good work, everyone. I enjoyed that. It's one of the best ones we've done this week. A reminder, you could download future ones or previous ones from ACAST, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. That's it. Before I go, let me remind you, I'm back tonight for the first Sports Bar of the Week from 10pm with Moonface. So make sure you join me for Monday night's Sports Bar. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Keep your distance. Wash your hands. Feel free to sit on a park bench if you so wish now. And above all, gang, be safe, everyone. Be safe.